The headline for a recent article in the Wall Street Journal read, A Surprising Way to Reduce Stress, Reminding Yourself What You're Grateful For Can Boost Your Mental Health and Help Cope with Coronavirus Anxiety. That's certainly true. Chuck Swindoll, he wrote this. He said, words can never adequately convey the incredible impact of our attitude toward life. The longer I live, the more convinced I become that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. I believe the single most significant decision I can make on a day-to-day basis is my choice of attitude. It's more important than my past, my education, my bankroll, my successes or failures, fame or pain, what other people think of me or say about me, my circumstances or my position. Attitude keeps me going or cripples my progress. Oh, what insightful words those are though, aren't they? And how relevant they are for the days we're living in. We can't change the circumstances we find ourselves in, but we can change our attitude and how we respond to those circumstances. I sadly don't always have as good of an attitude as I ought to, though. I can let my attitude cast a dark cloud over my life, making me miserable when I could be joyful. More often than I want to admit, I'm in need of an attitude adjustment. Today, in the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at, we're given some attitude adjusters which will help us live the kind of peaceful, joyful, full life that the Lord wants us to have. Just by way of review to kind of put us back where we're at today, last time in our study of the letter of Philippians, we looked at a disagreement between two prominent women in the church at Philippi and how Paul dealt with it in Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Now, as part of that study, we also looked briefly at verses 4 through 9 of that chapter, drawing some thoughts from those verses for dealing with conflict and maintaining unity among us. Well, today, I'm going to look at those same verses again with the wider application that they have for our overall life attitude. So if you have your Bible, flip over to Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to start reading in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. So here's the first attitude adjuster for us. Paul tells us to rejoice twice in this verse, adding extra emphasis and importance to what he says. He says here, I will say it again. Rejoice. Paul commanded us to rejoice in the first verse of Philippians chapter 3 as well. Over in Philippians 3.1, he wrote, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. We've noted that the letter of Philippians is often referred to as the letter of joy because joy is mentioned so often in this letter. It is mentioned some 16 times in this very short letter. Paul, he also wrote a similar command in his letter to 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, he writes, Rejoice always. Clearly, this is something he wants us to take to heart and do. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoicing in the Lord 
It's a command. Rejoicing in the Lord is not something that we wait around to happen to us when the conditions are right, when our circumstances are awesome, when we can't keep from jumping up and down and shouting hallelujah. Rejoicing is not something that happens to us. It's something that we are told to do. We're commanded to do it, which implies that it's something that we can choose to do. Rejoicing in the Lord is something we are to make a practice of. We are to seek after. We are to put energy into doing. We are to be deliberate about it. Well, how can we rejoice when we're facing situations in life that are hard, difficult, depressing, discouraging, frustrating, heartbreaking? We rejoice in the Lord, not in the circumstances themselves. The Lord is the foundation of our joy. He's the one who gives us joy. He's the reason for our joy. He's the one who makes our joy possible even in the face of difficulties. Rejoicing in the Lord, is it's, it's rooted in two very important truths that we need to take hold of as His children. First, God is in control of all things. And second, God gives purpose to everything in our life. This same idea, it's expressed in what James writes over in his letter, in James 1-2. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We can consider it pure joy by looking at what the difficulties we are facing are accomplishing in the larger scope of our life rather than only looking at the immediate pain and frustration that we're experiencing. This same idea is also expressed in what Paul writes in the letter to the Romans. In Romans 8.28, he wrote, And we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Rejoicing in the Lord in all situations of our life is rooted in those important truths. One, God is in control of all things. And two, God gives purpose to everything in our life. The writer of Psalm 42, he gives us some helpful advice on how to respond to difficult circumstances that I've always found helpful in Psalm 42, verse 11, he says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Take a look at what he's doing here. The psalmist, he's talking to himself, telling himself to hope in God. He reminds himself that the Lord is his Savior, his rescuer. He determines that he's going to praise the Lord whatever life has thrown at him. See, he pushes back against life's difficulties with the truth about who God is and what God is ultimately accomplishing in his life. There's those two truths again. God is in control of all things, and God gives purpose to everything in our life. Think about this. The God we worship wants us to be joyful. He commands us to rejoice. He doesn't command us to grovel and beg and beat ourselves. He doesn't want us to be living in dread and fear and worry and guilt and shame. Instead, He wants us to rejoice. Now, this is a very different kind of God than those that, or that 
which is often portrayed, isn't it? I mean, this is not an angry, grumpy, vengeful deity looking to squash us like a bug. This is the Lord who is the rescuer of his people, our protector, our provider, the one who became one of us in Jesus so that we can know that we are greatly loved. Taking hold of that idea itself can cause joy to grow in our heart. We are greatly loved. Psalm 5.1, it says, But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Philippians 4.5, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So here's another attitude adjuster for us. Be known for our gentle, kind, patient, considerate graciousness. Jesus Christ is the best example of someone who had this kind of nature. People were, who were condemned and cast out by others were embraced by Jesus, brought in, encouraged, and redirected to the Lord. We can be mean-spirited in the way that we respond to people's shortcomings, character deficiencies. That was never the attitude that Jesus had toward people. He was the most together person who ever lived, and he was also the most gracious person toward others. Now, let me say that another way so that the point is clear. Jesus had more justification and reason to be judgmental toward other people but he was the least judgmental of all people. See, there's no place for you and me to get on some moral high horse toward other people. What may be easy for you or me to do might be a life struggle for someone else. We need to lighten up on others. We need to treat others the way we would want to be treated if we were in that position. We need to act like Jesus, being gracious toward others. Another attitude adjuster is in this, sentence, in this next sentence where it says, the Lord is near. This is a reference to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Keeping the imminent return of Jesus in mind helps us have a Jesus-like attitude to be joyful and gracious toward others. Our Ultimate hope is not in any human institution. It's in Jesus Christ. We look forward to Jesus coming back and fixing everything. All of the stuff happening in our world right now doesn't have to drag us down into despair if we will remember that Jesus Christ is coming back. This is not all there is. This is all temporary. This life in its present form is Passing away, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 7.31. Jesus is coming. Maranatha, as the famous saying used to go. Philippians 4.6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So here's another attitude adjuster. Do not be anxious about anything. Anxious, worry, excessive concern. Jesus 
He tells us not to worry over in Matthew 5, or I mean Matthew 6, 23 through 34 in that extended passage there. He, he reminds us that we are precious to our Heavenly Father, that we can trust Him to take care of us. He tells us to look at the birds of the air as an example. They don't go around worrying and our Heavenly Father feeds them. He says, we're more valuable than the birds. He tells us, too, to look at the flowers growing in the field. Our Father dresses them with beautiful blossoms. How much more, Jesus says, will He take care of you and your needs? And finally, He tells us not to worry about tomorrow, that each day has enough worries of its own. He says, tomorrow will worry about itself. You remember what Peter tells us to do with our anxieties and worries? We're to throw them onto the Lord, give them to Him, because He cares for us. 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Well, how do we cast our anxieties and worries on the Lord? Through prayer. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Rather than worry, we're to pray. Prayer is an antidote to worry, but only if we really trust the Lord with our stuff. I don't have any problem praying about things that worry me, the things that I'm anxious about. I mean, that comes really easily. It's a natural response when I face something that's beyond my strength and it's freaking me out and scaring me and frustrating me. It's easy for me to yell out, help me, God. Even people who don't believe in God throw up prayers to God when they're desperate. But what's hard, what's a challenge for us to do is to then trust the Lord with our stuff. To put it in His hands and stop worrying about it. What helps us to trust Him with our stuff when we pray is to remember who we're praying to. This is our Heavenly Father who loves us beyond our imagination. Remember what it said in 1 Peter 5, 7 about casting our anxieties on Him? Because He cares for us. He loves us. In Luke 11, Jesus teaches us about prayer. And He gives us first an example prayer. And then He teaches about the nature of the one we are praying to. The Father. He teaches us about what our Heavenly Father is like. The one who's listening to and responding to our prayers. In Luke 11.9, for example, he says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if you or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, security, with knowing that we are loved and accepted so that we may receive mercy and find help or find grace to help us in our time of need. 
Pray with faith in a heavenly Father who loves you, who cares about you, who's listening to your cry for help. Then it says, with thanksgiving. Uh, Another attitude adjusted for us. Pray, remembering the goodness of the Lord to you. He has been good to us. He's been good to us, and He will be good to us. An attitude of thankfulness, it guards against us being a whiner and a complainer. It guards against prayers of self-indulgence. It guards against prayers of prideful entitlement. Instead, we are humble and we are open to the Lord's will being done in our life. Being thankful, it takes our focus off of what we don't have and it puts our focus on Him and what He has already given to us. Verse 7 of Philippians 4 says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this is the result of praying with faith in a heavenly Father who loves us with an attitude of thankfulness, peace. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace the Lord gives us, it's of a different quality than the peace that this world offers. This is a peace which transcends our circumstances. It's a peace that provides us a calm reassurance in the middle of the storms of our life. It's a peace that reminds us that we are His and we're being looked after. Even when our mind is at a loss for making sense of the things happening in our life, the Lord's peace can quiet our soul. The person who is experiencing the peace of the Lord in the midst of life's brutality can seem like an enigma to others. It doesn't make any sense to them how you can be peaceful in the middle of this storm raging around you. Until a person comes into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, it's hard for them to really grasp what this peace is that you're experiencing. It says this peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Greek word translated guard, it's a military term. The the peace of God is like a sentinel keeping watch over our heart and soul. It stands at the ready to provide protection from anxiety and worry. When you encounter worry-inducing situations in life, pray, believing your loving Heavenly Father hears you, trust Him, and His peace, it says, will watch over your heart and your mind. It will guard and protect your heart and your mind. Next verse, Philippians 4.8. says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Well, this is certainly another attitude adjuster. Rather than worrying about the things that we have no control over, we're told to think about these things instead, things that are true, and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable, and excellent, and praiseworthy. This can be a powerful filter for us to use to bring our thought 
life and attitude into a Christ-honoring place which will then produce joy and peace in us. Whatever is true, honest, whatever is noble, worthy of respect, honorable, dignified, whatever is right, it's proper, just, whatever is pure, morally good, innocent, holy, whatever is lovely, pleasing, agreeable, beautiful, whatever is admirable, of of good reputation, deserving approval, commendable, whatever is excellent, outstanding character, whatever is praiseworthy, worthy of praise, deserving of commendation. Consider this. The, the things we feed our mind on, the things that we put, our, put into our mind, there are also the kinds of things that will come out of us. If we put into our mind what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy, then that is also what is going to come out of our mind. If we feed our physical body good, nutritious food, then we can expect to see the results reflected in our physical health. If we instead eat lots of junk food, then we're going to experience diminished physical health. If we feed our body poison, it's going to harm our health. And if we take enough poison, it'll kill us. If we feed our mind on the mental equivalent of junk food and poison we can expect it to have a corresponding impact on our mind, on our attitude. If we want to be as healthy as possible, mentally and spiritually, we need to feed our mind what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. And stay away from the junk food and the poisons. Let us choose wisely what we put into our minds. Next verse, verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Another attitude adjuster. Paul is encouraging us again to follow his example, to imitate him as he imitates Christ. As we've said before in our study of Philippians on more than one occasion as we have worked through this letter, we're told to imitate Jesus and to imitate those who imitate Jesus. Again, we're given the assurance to that the God of peace will be with us. There's two truths given to us in that. First, our God is a God of peace. He seeks peace with us and he creates peace in us. And second, he will be with us. Do you remember that beautiful promise that we have in Hebrews 13:5? The Lord said to us, "Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you." So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So in closing, uh, here again are the attitude adjusters that Paul gives us in these verses. Rejoice in the Lord always. Have a gentle 
kind graciousness <clears throat> toward others. Remember, Jesus is coming back soon. <clears throat> Excuse me. Pray instead of worry. Be thankful. Put your mind on good stuff and imitate Jesus. As we do these things, we're promised that God's peace will fill us and protect us. Let's do this. Amen? Well, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for these truths from the letter of Philippians today, these attitude adjusters. And Lord, I pray that we would take these things to heart and our attitude would be adjusted by putting these things into practice. Lord, I pray for each person that is here listening today that you would encourage us and you would strengthen us, Lord, that you would remind us of who you are and whose we are, that we are your children and that you're that you love us and you're taking care of us. Encourage them, Lord, and strengthen them, each one. And may our attitudes be those that would glorify you, Lord, and that produce peace and joy in us. In Jesus' name, amen.